I invite you to take your Bible, please, and find Mark chapter 10. This morning we'll be looking at Mark chapter 10 as we continue to work our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. I'll invite you once you've located that to please stand for the reading of God's holy word. And standing up, he went from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. Crowds gathered around him again, and according to his custom, he once more began to teach them. And some Pharisees came up to Jesus, testing him, began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to him, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote for you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. The two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. Please be seated. Let's take a moment to pray. Our most holy God and Father, as we come now to the Word of God, we ask for you please to help us. Help us to hear and understand and gladly receive what it is your Word would teach us today. God, please, help us to allow the Word of God to say what it says, find good soil in our hearts and bear fruit for the glory of your Son. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Almost half of all first marriages will end in divorce. More than half of second marriages will end in divorce. But I don't have to give you statistics for you to know that divorce is far too common in our society it's almost certain that someone in your family has gone through a divorce. A parent, a child, a sibling, a grandchild, maybe even yourself. Here's the biggest problem with divorce as I see it. The problem with divorce is we no longer view divorce as a problem. We view it as a solution. A man isn't happy. Married life isn't what he thought it would be. He misses his carefree single days. Divorce. A woman finds a man who treats her better than her husband. Her husband never shows her tenderness and affection. She finds one, someone who does. Divorce. A couple can't agree on kids or they can't agree on finances. They can't agree on where to live. Divorce. 
You see, for society, divorce has become a solution. But for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, divorce isn't a solution. It's a problem. Now as we come to the beginning of Mark chapter 10, at first glance it seems odd to find a text about divorce in this place. It seems out of place in light of all that we've been talking about. But if we stop and think for just a minute, we'll actually see that it fits pretty well in this place. You see, as we've gone through the end of chapter 8 and chapter 9, Jesus is trying to reshape the mindset of his disciples. You see, they think just like the rest of Jewish society. All the people around them. They have the same way of thinking and looking at life in the world. But as disciples of Christ, they have to learn to view the world and life from a different perspective. As we've seen in the recent weeks, society tells them, put yourself first. But Jesus has been telling them to put themselves last. Society tells them, greatness is about exalting yourself. Jesus has told them, greatness is about lowering yourself, humbling yourself. Society tells them, the, the goal is to be the one who's being served. But Jesus has been telling them that as disciples, their goal is to be the servant. Society has taught them to pay no attention to the weak and lowly, to dismiss them. Jesus tells them to welcome the weak and lowly. Society has taught them the goal is to avoid suffering at all costs. But Jesus is teaching him that suffering is the pathway to glory. You see, being a disciple of Christ means we approach life in this world from a perspective that is in many ways the opposite of the rest of society. We might say it like this. Christians are counter-cultural. Our beliefs and practices and perspectives cause us to run counter to most of society. What does that have to do with divorce? Disciples of Christ should have a counter-cultural view of divorce. Society sees divorce as a solution. Followers of Christ should see divorce as a problem. Now, I'm not the least bit interested in society's opinion about divorce. I want the disciples of Jesus Christ to know how our Lord and Master would have us to view divorce. You see, for those of us that follow Christ, that's all that matters. What does Jesus say? How would He have us to think about this issue? There are three things I want to show you in these verses that I pray will bring home the message of God's Word for us today. Now, now let me say right from the outset, you are going to have questions about marriage and divorce that I'm not going to answer this morning. I'm not even going to attempt to deal with all the, well, preacher, what if this? Or what about this? Or what about this situation? There's no way I can deal with all the what ifs and what abouts we don't have the time. And that is not my goal. 
If you are concerned about a specific situation related to marriage, divorce, please come talk to me and we'll work through it together. But for this morning, I have one goal. And my goal is to make the teaching of Jesus in these verses crystal clear. So three things to notice. Here's the first one. The question of divorce is raised. The question of divorce is raised. This is verses 1 and 2. As Jesus often did, it says in verse 1, it was his custom, he's teaching the crowds again. We don't know what he was teaching about, but at some point the Pharisees, the religious elite of Jesus' day, they pose a question to Jesus and they begin asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce a wife? Literally, is it lawful for a man to send away a wife? Now you'll notice verse 2 says they were testing him. Now that's important because it lets us know they weren't seeking an honest answer to their question. They weren't seeking information. They're trying to trap him in his teaching. In other words, their intent is hostile. You see, they already had established beliefs about divorce. They had already established what they thought and believed about divorce. The majority view among Jews allowed a man to divorce his wife for pretty much any reason. Now, the same wasn't true for a woman. A woman was not normally allowed to divorce her husband, even though there were cases when it happened. Matter of fact, if you read the same story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, this is what it says. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? See, the real question is, can a man divorce his wife for whatever reason he chooses? Because for the majority of Jews, that's exactly what they believe. You may not believe this, but they would allow a man to divorce his wife because she ruined a meal? Because he found somebody else who was prettier? Because she spoke to him in a way he didn't like? For some of the most nonsensical things a man would be allowed legally to divorce his wife. So they already had views on divorce. Now here's a question. How could asking Jesus a question about divorce trap him? How could they get him in trouble on this issue of divorce, even if he contradicted their views. Well, let me remind you of something. Earlier in the book of Mark, in chapter 6, we read how King Herod arrested John the Baptist and put him in prison. Do you remember why? King Herod, well, let me read you what it says in Mark 6, 17 to 19. Herod himself had sent and had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now Herodias was holding a grudge against him and was wanting to put him to death. You see, Herod took his brother Philip's wife. 
and made her his wife. John the Baptist was telling him, this is not lawful for you. So Herodias, the wife, wanted John the Baptist dead. And what happened to John the Baptist? He ended up dead, beheaded. And it all goes back to his views on marriage and divorce. You see, the Pharisees would love nothing more than for Jesus to get in the same kind of trouble over this issue. If nothing else, they hoped they could show that Jesus was teaching contrary to the law of Moses. So that's what's going on here. The question of divorce is raised. Now, I want you to notice next, the question of divorce is reframed. He takes their question and he kind of shifts the question. He reframes their question. They ask Jesus, is it lawful? Does the law allow or permit a man to divorce his wife? Notice in verse 3 how Jesus responds. He answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? Now pay attention to that because it's important. They say, What is permitted? Jesus shifts it to, what is commanded. Now you'll see how, how that's important. Now when Jesus say, what did Moses command you? They respond in verse 4. Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Now, that is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 through 4. And it's important, so I want to read that to you. This is from the writings of Moses. If a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from his house, and she goes out of his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, and if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before Yahweh. You shall not bring sin on the land which Yahweh your God gives you as an inheritance. That's where they get their answer. But, here's what I want you to notice. That passage does not specifically command divorce and it does not specifically permit divorce. What Moses does in those verses is regulate the situation when a divorce has taken place. Moses never commanded divorce and never specifically said that divorce was permitted. What he's doing, he is presupposing that there will be situations when a man will send his wife away. That's what the divorce in the Bible, the word means in the Bible, send away. Moses knows there's going to be situations when a man is going to send his wife away. And what he is doing, he is regulating what must happen in those instances. He must give her a certificate of divorce. Why? 
because it would protect the woman by allowing her to legally remarry. You see, in that society, women, for the most part, depended on men. Women normally didn't have work outside of the home. They normally depended on the husband for the income. They, they, that's just, it was a very much a patriarchal society. Women didn't have a lot of rights. And so a woman who's put out of a home and left without any husband could be in a difficult situation. So Moses said, look, if a man sends his wife away, she has to be legally able to remarry to take care of herself. Now, it also prevented the husband from later on ever going back and decided he wanted her back. He couldn't do that. So here's what I want you to see. The policy given by Moses in Deuteronomy 24 safeguarded the rights of women as much as was possible in a male-dominated culture. But you see, the Pharisees took Moses' words as permission to send away or divorce his wife for any reason he wanted to. It's not what it was, but that's the way they took it. But Jesus didn't see it that way. Look at verse 5. Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote for you this commandment. Moses did not command divorce or even expressly permit divorce. He assumed a situation when a man has sent his wife away and he gives a command to regulate that situation. And Jesus said, Moses has to do that because of the hardness of your heart. What does that mean? Jesus said, it's because of your rebellion against God's design for marriage that Moses' regulation became necessary. Moses has to give legislation to protect the rights of a woman because you have rejected God's design and God's intention for divorce. Divorce was never part of God's intention. One Bible commentator said it like this. Jesus explains that Moses' recognition of the reality of divorce and the provisions for a divorce were concessions to human sinfulness. In other words, divorce occurs when people rebel against the will of God in their behavior. And it was for such situations that Moses gave this Regulation, this legislation regarding certificates of divorce. Here's what I need you to see. I told you Jesus is reframing their question. Is it okay? Is it allowed for a man to divorce? I want you to see what Jesus is doing. Jesus endeavors to recover God's will and design for marriage. Jesus is not interested in arguing about possible exceptions to God's rule. See, his opponents ask what's permissible. Jesus points to what is specifically commanded. You see, Jesus is arguing that Deuteronomy 24 is not a pretext for divorce. It's an attempt to limit the consequences of divorce on women who were the victims. 
Listen, here's what he's saying. God's divine intention for marriage cannot be determined from a scripture about divorce. He's saying, you're taking a scripture about divorce and trying to determine God's intention for marriage from it, and you can't do that. Let me give you an example. Jesus is trying to get them to focus on how to fly the airplane. All they're interested in learning is how to make a crash landing. You with me? Jesus is trying to teach them how marriage is supposed to work. They just want to know, is it okay for them to end it? Think about it like this. Suppose you're a loan officer at a bank. Someone comes in and they take out a loan and they're at your desk and they're signing the contract. And after they sign the contract, they put the pen down and they ask you a question. Now, under what circumstances could I possibly get out of paying this loan? Would that be a red flag? Yeah. That's exactly what they're doing. They're not interested in God's design for marriage. They're only interested in how they can get out of it. They ask if divorce is permissible. Jesus reframes the question. The real question is not, is divorce permissible? The real question is, what is God's design and intention for marriage? That's the question as Christians we ought to be asking. What is God's design and intention for marriage? So we've seen the question of divorce is raised. The question of divorce is reframed. Now watch this. In verses 6 through 12, we see the question of divorce is resolved. Now there are two things we see in these verses. The first thing is this. The declaration of God's design for marriage. Jesus just tells them what God's intent for marriage is in verses 6 through 9. What Jesus does here, he quotes two scriptures from the early chapters of Genesis. Genesis, Genesis 1, 27 and Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Verse 6 is Genesis 1, 27. God made them male and female. That solves the whole issue of homosexual divorce right there. Verse 7, Genesis 2, 24. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, the two shall become one flesh. These verses are important for this specific reason. These words were given before mankind fell into sin. This was before the sin of Adam and Eve. In other words, these verses tell us how God intended it to be from the very beginning. Are you with me? This is how God designed it to be before sin entered the picture. A man is to leave his parents, join his wife, literally be cemented, cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That's God's design. Now here's something I want you to think about. A man leaving his father and mother and joining himself to his wife means that his allegiance to his wife is even greater than his allegiance to his parents. 
You know the Ten Commandments say honor your father and mother. But when it comes to marriage, a man is told to leave his father and mother. Cleave to his wife. Now what's the, what's the outcome of that? It's really this. A man's allegiance to his wife comes second only to his allegiance to God. A man's allegiance to his wife comes second only to his allegiance to God. Jesus says the two become one flesh. Why is that important? The two shall become one flesh. Because it expresses God's design that marriage be permanent and indivisible. One Bible commentator said it like this. It, it's not merely that one flesh should not be separated. It cannot. They are no longer two independent beings who may choose to go their own way, but a single indivisible unit. Sometimes when I do marital counseling, I'll take two pieces of paper before the session and I'll glue them together. Because the word cleave, leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife, it has the idea of gluing together or cementing together. And, and during the marriage counseling, sometimes I'll take that and I'll tell them, okay, this is, this is two pieces of paper that have been joined together. Now separate them. And I'll give them to the man and say, now separate these. And he'll try to separate them. And what happens? It tears them. The point, you can't separate it without doing damage. Because God didn't intend them to be separated. What Jesus does is declare the will of God as it was set forth in creation. You see, the, will, the, the Pharisees are asking about possible exceptions to marriage. Jesus responds by declaring God's design for marriage. He's saying, don't focus on the exceptions. Focus on the rule. He, see, here's the greatest difference between Jesus and the Jewish rabbis. The Jewish rabbis give the husband primary control over his wife. You see, Jewish law made the man the lord of the relationship by giving him control over divorce. According to Jesus, it is not the man nor the woman who is in control of the marital relationship, but it's God who is the lord of the relationship. Look what he said. Verse 9, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Marriage is not ultimately in the control of the husband or the wife. It is in the hands of God. God designed marriage as the permanent union of a man and a woman. In Jesus' mind, that settles the issue of divorce. That's 
the declaration of God's design for marriage. But there's something else I need you to see in verses 10 through 12. We have the implication of God's design for marriage. Jesus now is away from the crowds. They're back in the home with his disciples. And they begin to question him, as they often did. They begin to question him about this he's been saying. He replies to the Pharisees in verses 11 and 12, and he makes two statements. Now, Jesus has already given God's design for marriage. Keep this in mind. God designed marriage as the permanent union of a man and a woman. Now, what's the implication of that? If that's God's design for marriage, what are the implications? Verse 11. If a man divorces his wife and marries another woman, he is committing adultery against his wife. Verse 12. If a woman divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery against her husband. What's the implication of God's design for marriage? Divorce followed by remarriage is adultery. Jesus is drawing out the implications of what he has just said in verses 6 through 9. Now think through this with me. There is a one flesh union between a husband and a wife that in the eyes of God is permanent. Divorce does not automatically cancel out that union. So, what Jesus is saying, entering into a second union and having marital relations within that relationship is just as much adultery as if the husband had had intercourse with the woman who, while she was still legally married. Here's the bottom line I want you to hear me say. Now, I already hear those questions, those what ifs and what about, and I'm going to get to that, so hang on. Don't crucify me yet. Divorce violates God's design for marriage as the permanent union of a man and a woman. Divorce violates God's design for marriage as the permanent union of a man and a woman. Let me say this as plain as I know how. You ready? Marriage is permanent and divorce is wrong. Now, I know we have all kind of what about this? What if this happens? What about cases of abuse or adultery or abandonment? I told you earlier, there's no possible way in the time that I have I can deal with all of that. And I'm not going to try to. Listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. We need to focus on the rule, not possible exceptions to the rule. You don't set yourself up for victory in battle by practicing how to conduct a retreat. Are you with me? Jesus' statement about marriage and divorce would have landed on those Pharisees like a ton of bricks. And that's exactly how I want it to land on you. 
feel the weight of these words. Marriage is permanent and divorce is wrong. Now, I need to say this because this is important. I don't want to lessen the impact of these words in even a little. But I do need to add this. I do need to add what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ there is grace and there is forgiveness for those who have been through divorce. If you've been through a divorce I don't want you to leave here feeling weighed down with guilt and shame that is not my intention for this marriage you cannot change the past but if you're a Christian your past no matter how sinful has been washed in the blood of Jesus and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus If you've been divorced, I am not standing here condemning you. Listen to me very carefully. My wife has been divorced. Some of you didn't know that. But I still stand here saying what the Bible says. Marriage is permanent and divorce is wrong. Because let me tell you what we've done for far too long. We have refused to let the Bible say what it says. Are you with me? We, we always want to jump to the what if and what about. Listen, I, I want to say this. I am not unaware of all of the issues. I am not unaware of the questions. I know. I know marriage can involve some very serious, very difficult issues. And I want to be sensitive to that. I know. That this is not such a cut and dry issue in every case. I'm very aware of that. And I do want to be sensitive to that. And I'll say to you again, if you have questions or if you need counsel regarding a specific situation, please come talk to me and let me work through you, that with you. I assure you I am not unfeeling about this issue. But we have to, as Christians... We have to set forth God's design for marriage. If you've been through divorce, you can't change that. But you know what you can do? From this moment forward, you can embrace the view that says marriage is permanent and divorce is wrong. You can't change whatever's in your past. You don't have to. It's under the blood of Jesus. But what you can do is say from this moment. I'm going to embrace the view that Jesus gives in the Bible. I can't change my past. But I can decide that in the future. I will hold to Jesus teachings regarding marriage and divorce. This coming November 7th. My parents will celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary.
I am not going to even begin to get into any of the details of their life. Let's just say, most couples who are divorced have not been through anywhere close to the things my parents have been through. My mother told me last week on the phone, just a few days ago, we have been counseled to get a divorce over and over throughout the years countless times. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff my parents have been through. So why didn't they divorce? They had a million opportunities. Why didn't they? Simple. Very simple. One reason. Because they believed what these verses teach. They believe marriage is permanent and divorce is wrong. And now that they're older and all of the turmoil of the past is behind them, Mama told me they are so glad they never saw divorce as a solution. They saw it as a problem. May all of Christ's disciples have the same view. Let's pray.